Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome to the Core Health Collective Show. My name is Ben Bowen, and on this podcast, we will be exploring what it means to be an entrepreneur in the health and wellness industry. We will closely dissect the many opportunities and challenges we go through to improve the human condition with the products and services we sell. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Um, we've known each other a long time, so I was really excited to have you uh, on the show to talk about, you know, health and wellness. Um, you're uniquely served for this because you spent a lot of time in the customer acquisition world, and you spent a lot of personal time, you know, professional time in the health and wellness side. So, you know, really understanding, you know, where where the industry is going and what customers are looking for and what suppliers and products and services, you know, need to be doing or should be doing, you know, now and in the future. I'm like really excited to hear your take on it because, you know, as the listeners know, I've said it already a few times that I'm here to learn from you. So um, why don't we get into it and, and, you know, why don't you uh, just introduce yourself a little bit and give us a little bit about your background and why, uh, you know, the health and wellness industry is, you know, important to you. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Ben. Excited to be here chatting with you. This is, uh, I could spend all day talking about health and wellness and mindfulness and, and, uh, the business of that too is very exciting. Um, so I'm happy to be here. My background, like you said, is in customer acquisition. I ran a, uh, social media and brand storytelling customer acquisition agency for five years, um, previous to the pandemic or prior to the pandemic, I guess. Um, where uh, my focus there was on building brand story arcs for my clients and then uh, developing customer acquisition strategies, mainly through social media advertising um, to help them uh, with their ROI objectives. Um, And that work, um, that agency, and this sort of like is the crossover between the health and wellness side is that the buildup for that organization, the scalability of that, really wore me down. Um, and I had, I'm someone that had, had um, battled depression and anxiety at a young age. And then into my 20s, as I started to build this company, um, the stress, the depression, the anxiety turned into suicidal ideation, which I had never experienced before and didn't know how to get out of it. And I ended up going on um, a bit of a pilgrimage and spent a lot of time and a lot of money on alternative uh, treatments to deal with that uh, mental health concern that I was having or debilitation, if you want to call it that. Um, and that led me to a whole host of cool tools that I now use in my practice uh, for myself and with some of my clients that, um, that help to uh, work with those potential symptoms of mental illness. Uh, this, that's really the main focus, but then there's like a more holistic uh, avenue that I'm into as well. And I have a, I'm a partner in a, a supplement company and then um, I'm very much into uh, psychedelics and altered states of consciousness as a way of healing uh, in, in the mental health side of things. So yeah, happy to explore all those avenues, whether it's, you know, mental health, physical health, um, business. And I also just became a father and that's a whole journey in itself. And one of the most rewarding healing and spiritual experiences probably that I've ever, I've ever had. Uh, and so there's, there's lots to, to pull on there. I'm sure as we've talked before about parenthood a little bit. Yes, absolutely. I feel like, uh, 
start a podcast on parenting because there's there's no parent that is not willing to talk for hours and hours about how amazing <laughs> it is to be a parent. And, uh, you know, as it, as it relates to mental health, um, it, it's really interesting, the parenting thing. I didn't think this conversation was going to go here, but let's just spend a minute on it because yeah. you mentioned it. Um, and what, what, when we talked last time, we weren't recording a session. We were just chatting over a virtual coffee. Um, I got off that call and thought about the mental health component as you talked about it with, with being a parent. And I really agreed with it. And I, I didn't, couldn't figure it out right away, like what specifically it is, because I'm so analytical. I just needed to like figure out all the metrics on it. And I think it just was, it's like, it doesn't matter necessarily what you're going through because their needs are so immediate um, that you just have to like focus on them and not focus on you. And so if you're not focusing on you, your own mental health struggles, you know, can, you know, take, they take the back burner, which is like such a benefit and, and a blessing. It's almost like, you know, I, I was at a, I was at a funeral once for someone very close to us. And I remember, um, the, the surviving spouse was so thankful for their very young grandchildren that kept disrupting the service and, and the, the days leading up to the service, because it, it forced them to not focus on everything that was negative happening, because when they're little, like, they just don't know, you can't just tell them to just like, sit in the corner and be quiet and go on their iPhone when they're, you know, babies. So, uh, that's really interesting. And, you know, adversely to that, though, being a parent sometimes, or lots of parents, um, uh, decreases your physical well-being, well-being because you're just, you know, trying to keep up with the demands of, of life. So, you know, it's an interesting contrast. I don't know how you see that, but, uh, but you know, I certainly experienced both sides of it. Yeah, going through it as well. Like I, um, I'm lucky to have a really amazing partner who um has devoted a lot of time and effort into being the best possible mother that she can be um so i feel like it starts there in a lot of ways having good connection communication with your spouse your partner in that in that scenario for me anyway that's been like really a, a place that i've been leaning into hard because if i can't speak to her about something that i need then i'm get then she's guessing right she's guessing like oh well he's you know upset or he's stressed or he's tired I got to fix something. And then she's burning herself out trying to maybe just do the dishes or take the dog out when really I just need some, I need five minutes. I need 10 minutes. And so we have a really strong bond on, on, on our communication and that's been very helpful. And so, yeah, physically, I mean, we're, I'm excited to have this conversation because there's lots of different avenues of, on health that health that I'm excited about that are a little bit new and something that, the things that have been around for a long time that, that are allowing us to find more healing. And one of those things for me is just dialogue is just conversation. And in the experience with my partner, dialogue has been one of the most important, most healing opportunities for me and for her, because while the word dialogue comes from two words, dia, which means moving towards and logos, which means meaning roughly. So loosely, it means moving towards meaning. And I think right now more than ever, I don't know, I don't know why this ended up there, but I'm excited where you're going to take it. But the last couple of years in the pandemic, we're, we're experiencing a bit of a meaning crisis, I think, right? You see how many people are leaving their jobs. You see how many people are considering starting a business, you know, looking at their own health and wellness in a different way. 
And I think dialogue, like what we're having and what I sort of was alluding to with my partner is so important because it helps us to get to a level of meaning that maybe we couldn't get to on our own, which is where a lot of us stay with our health and wellness, specifically with our mental health. We stay too much in here and by ourselves when having a, a conversation can really, can really be helpful. Yeah, no, absolutely. So like, I don't know, like there's definitely been a change over the pandemic. What do you think people are looking for? Like, so there's lot, there's lots of health and wellness brands out there, whether they're, they're gyms or clothing or food and beverage um, services, um, you know, wearables, gadgets, tech, like it just goes on and on and on. Like it's multi-billion dollar industry. You know, what are people looking for though? Like, and, and how do they find what they need? Hmm. That's a good question. It's really hard to say. I think we're, you know, I think leading into the pandemic, I think there was a lot of things shifting in the space, in the wellness space. And specifically, I'm very excited about the psychedelic space that's been coming online really hard in the last year to 18 months, I guess, with some of the, some of the capital moving into the space. Um, and I think that that's a big shift for a lot of people because we've been so um, conditioned to the way that we do things here in the West, this allopathic approach to, to wellness, where we have a pill for almost everything we, we kind of struggle with, but that's not necessarily the answer for a lot of healing. It's, there's oftentimes a root cause and and oftentimes it's, it comes from stress. Stress is the leading cause of most illnesses. uh, As I think that's pretty well known. Um, So I think in a lot of ways, what, what has been felt maybe most over the last little while is stress. And then how do I manage that stress? And people that were managing it before were managing it because it wasn't as existential. Then when you bring in the uncertainty of illness and family and safety and security and maybe money and job and all those things, you're just compounding the stress. And if someone tells you they went through the pandemic without any stress, they're lying to you. (laughs) But I would say that a lot of people experience stress more. Maybe some people took that and channeled it in in a nice, more effective way. But I would imagine that it was heightened for a lot of people. And in that instance, then I think people are looking for new ways to manage that. And again, it's not specifically about like physical exercise or mindfulness, it's stress management. And I think we all have a bit of a stress profile where we look at our sex hormones and and the drivers for those things. Um, And I think a lot of what can help a lot of folks uh, is to look into stress management techniques that work for you. Uh, and really, in a lot of ways, it's about regulation. To me, the, the, our health is basically just our nervous system management. So when our nervous system fires in a scenario, we're either going, in a lot of ways, in, in a lot of instances, we're either in this uh, autonomic uh, state of, of, of fight, flight, or freeze, which is your sympathetic nervous system, or we're in that rest and digest. And there's, there's got to be a bit of a healthy balance for both, like working out intensely like you and I have done CrossFit that is a more of a sympathetic type workout. And it's, there's benefit to that type of stress, right? But then you have to balance it with something that brings you into that rest and digest and that calms you down and that keeps you in sort of a balanced state um, to be able to kind of function properly. And that's what it all comes back down to for me is managing the nervous system to then create function. It's not how many weights can I put on the bar and lift or how, how long I can sit in meditation. It's how how good am I at controlling and managing my nervous system in 
the normal day to day, whether it's Rose crying and I can't put her to sleep, my nervous system fires because I got to get to a call or I'd love for her to sleep because she hasn't slept all night or whatever. Right. So I've got to be able to train and work with the nervous system to calm that down so that I can be there for her in the way that she needs to be so that she can fall asleep. That's one example of many, whether it's yeah. a call with a boss or an, an, inter uh, an interaction with a, a friend that's unpleasant. Like it's all our nervous system firing and reacting to those outward things. So how can we kind of go in, in the moment and um, help to regulate ourselves so that the stress that we do feel, whether it's, the uncertainty of what's been brought up by the pandemic or something else. Um, we don't let that stress compound and create the excess of cortisol, which then leads to the upstream, you know, disease effect. Right. So that's, I don't even know what the question was, but that, that's what I've been thinking about. No. <laughs> and I think your comments are fair. And, you know, part of the reason why I want to explore all these topics with all these great entrepreneurs that I've gotten to talk to and the ones in the future is, is like, how, how do we, how do the masses or how does the average person become consciously aware of, of like this balance that you talk about? Because I think to your point earlier, you know, the Western medical system is give a pill for everything that, that we know now that, in many cases that doesn't manage the root cause in some cases it doesn't even help and i am a fan of modern medicine and i'm a fan of holistic medicine and there's a place for everything. me too by the way me too yeah. anything i say i i also i'm on that on that side of the fence as well yeah like if i you know break my leg i need modern medicine to put it back together um and very lots of other options but i i guess i'm seeing so many health and wellness focused companies come into a very crowded marketplace and I see them having a hard time finding their customer. They can define them, but they're having a hard time finding them or allowing their customer to find them and understand why they're different. Because there's a lot of players in this, in this industry that don't have pure intentions, that hide certain ingredients or, or don't tell you certain you know, negative outcomes um, because they're purely in it for, to, you know, to, to, to make money. Um, and then there's the companies that, you know, they want to build a good business. They obviously want it to be profitable, but they really have something that improves the human condition. So how do these come, how do you think these companies are going to have to operate to get found and to get known? Yeah. I mean, I always come back to the same thing. doesn't matter what industry it's about transformation. So how are you communicating your ability to help your customer transform themselves. You're not in no, and this is my belief, I'll stand on this pedestal, no product, no person, um, no thing that you purchase that is outside of you can help you heal unless you decide to do something about it. If that's your, your thing, right? Whether it's lifting weights to get, lose weight, whether it's a mental health thing, you have to decide to step in and do it. Now, from a branding perspective, I believe that the, the best way to cut through the clutter and the best way to reach the target audience is to stop talking about how great you think you are and stop saying all of the things that make you think you're awesome and you're better than everybody else on the competition side and start speaking directly to the transformation that your clients will receive through using you as a brand or a product or a company or a service. And if you do that, then people are going to jump in because they know that you understand them. 
So going deep into the root problems and the root problems are way more than just a symptom of something, right? There's usually a philosophical problem. There's oftentimes a villain outside that you can kind of, you can, you can vilify as the main issue that they're dealing with, whether it's government or a healthcare system that's broken or, um, you know, it could be even like a, if it's talking about products like physical gear products, you know, it could be just bad materials or, you know, sweatshop labor, that kind of stuff. Right. So if you look at the problems, you can really define the guidance that you can provide. And that's what I say. It's, it's guidance. All these companies, they're not healers. They're not even like a, a therapist or a doctor, because at any point in your journey, I know your journey a little bit and at any point in my journey, no one came to me and was like, this is what you do here are the five steps. Go ahead. I had to go. I need help. Like I need to do something about this. It's my turn to step in and learn about it. So anyone that's out there, if they're listening to this and saying like, yeah, I'm kind of at my wits end or I'm not sure where to go or whatever from a perspective, from a business perspective, I think it's focused on transformation. And then from those that are listening about how they're overcoming something right now is to not stop knocking on the doors of what's possible for treatment. Okay. So yeah, you bring up a really good point about it has to start with, you know, a desire and a decision. Um, and then probably backed up by, you know, I, I, I've said this a few times uh, to people that I know and love that, you know, these changes start with curiosity, but they get accomplished through discipline. And it's not a, it's not an exercise of, of eating better or an exercise of, of working out or going for walks or getting nutritional balance. It's an exercise of discipline. And if you think about it as an exercise of discipline and that's all you focus on, then those other mm. things uh, will start happening. Totally I agree. I feel like, do you feel like the market is growing of those people or shrinking or because it, it doesn't seem to be a big market of the Uber curious? Well, I think the market, do you mean the market of, of customers or the market of businesses? Customers. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know if we're quite to that curiosity point yet, but I think there's like a, an existential opening that, that has happened. Like, oh man, I've been weighing down by all this external stress, but I actually had this before. And now they're kind of coming online to this idea that they've got something that they want to overcome. And I think we're maybe getting into that curiosity phase, but I think it, like you said, I think it's small. I think it's growing, but I think that like, that's the way I like to speak about it too, is like this Venn diagram of, of, of the, the way to consider a practice of health and wellness. I, I consider, you know, health and wellness is more of a lifestyle. It's a practice versus it being like, I got to go to the gym because it's like something I have to do. You know what I mean? It's, it's a, it's a discipline and a practice like you spoke about. And for me, what that practice looks like is, is on one side of the Venn diagram, you have concentration, concentrative exercise, concentrative disciplines. And then on the other side, you have meditative exercise and not just meditation, but you know, breath work and mindfulness, silence, community, different things like that, that are more letting go, having things come and go, having things come and go where concentration is more like yoga, working out where you're focused on movement, you're focused on things and you're, you're really detailed. And that, that then creates a level of kind of letting go of something too. And right in the middle of that is contemplative where you bring a bit of concentration in and you bring a bit of meditation in, and then you stay curious about whatever that thing is that's, that's happening and see where the symptoms of whatever the thing is show up, where potential solutions show up and not putting as much pressure as we do on having to overcome this thing like that. 
because it's in the culture of just popping a pill to get it fixed. We've been conditioned to believe that these things can just be done overnight, but typically those are just band-aids over a bigger wound. And so the contemplative practice is very, is very much less pressure. And I think that's what everyone needs right now is just a little less pressure. Don't put so much pressure on yourself. And that's not to be lazy and just go, fuck it. Corey said, don't put any pressure on me. And I'm going to go eat a bag of chips and, you know, whatever. It's to know, just be curious. Like I like the word curious. I say contemplative, but curious is very similar, right? Just see where it's showing up. Oh, I've heard about this thing. Let me try it out. Explore, experiment. That's how I like to think about it. Okay. So so how do we think about... As, 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 as a culture, we get more curious. And, and I definitely think that, you know, this last pandemic has, has made people become more aware. And it, it's mm-hmm. kind of uh, a friend of mine, I, I'm going to botch the saying, so sorry, Kathy. Um, she says, uh, you know, once you become aware, um, you know, you can no longer be ignorant. Um, so I think more people have become aware. So, but now we're looking for these magic pills, right? So, so, so what would you just say to somebody that says, okay, I've become aware. I tried a few things. They didn't work. And I don't know what to do because I think there's a lot of that going on. And I think a lot of the, the, the companies in the space have had, are having a hard time with maybe they're selling a lot of customers, but they're not, you know, having customers fully adopt, you know, their product or service and, and really expand that lifetime value for, for, as far as revenue goes, but as, as they expand their lifetime value or grow their lifetime value for their company, for each customer, they could also attribute that to like, you know, extending health for that customer or happiness Mm -hmm. or or mindfulness or whatever it is. So I see there's a, there seems to be this lack of connection and there's probably some sort of diagram I should, I should draw up for it where, you know, adoption equals lifetime value for both parties, the company that's selling the product or service and, and the customer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot to pull on there. The first thing that you brought up was, okay, I tried all these things that didn't work. What now? Keep going. <laughs> don't stop. Don't be deterred. Don't like, it took me a hundred thousand dollars in 18 months of rigorous experimentation of all kinds of different crazy things to get to the point where I realized this, these small group of small tools are really the thing that I need to build my practice up. So don't stop. And then when it comes to the lifetime value and the, well, let's just say value in general of a brand and what to look for. For me, it's like, it's education. I think, you know, it's, it's enough. It's not enough anymore to say, I've got a vitamin D supplement for you. You know, you probably need some vitamin D, get it now on amazon.com. That's not enough because they're going to take the vitamin D but what if it doesn't give them what they wanted? Or what if they don't feel the sensory benefits of vitamin D and when they take it? Then you have, to, you have to show them what the benefits are at a cellular level. You have to explain to them why taking calcium with vitamin D is so important. And you have to explain that it's used in many different avenues for healing, but you may also need something over here and you may need something over here. So having, having a monopoly over people's healing as if your option is the only option is a mistake. And so having partners that you can, you know, pass off to for other ways that people can learn and grow. And then a community is the biggest thing. So this community is also, so there's on both sides, when you're talking about customer and, and business, we have to start building community. We've lost community in a big way over the last couple of years. So I think 
community from a business perspective has to be affinity online and proximity offline. So building like like-minded interest groups online and then geographically located offline so that they can get together or you can facilitate something where they can get together offline so that you're not just leveraging technology to get that, that community because it, it loses a level of connection. And you know that you like after not seeing your parents or your family or someone for so long with the pandemic, it's a totally different experience than getting on zoom with them and celebrating a birthday. Right. So we have to have that combination of affinity online and proximity offline. So you can get that level of community there. So that's on the business perspective. Like that's where I'm thinking. And then when it comes to the consumer and their pursuit of wellness, I think they need to find community there as well. I think that's a, that's a, it's a, a beneficial avenue to, to go towards because you can't, you can't change someone else's mind without showing them how you've changed yours. And if you find people that are showing you how they've changed and how they've evolved, how they've overcome something, there's so much power in that. And that's where storytelling comes into the community aspect where telling your story and sharing your experience and talking like we are about how we've been where a lot of people are and we're, we're not perfect and we deal with shit all the time, but we have these things that we use or we have community that we tap into our products or tools that we use. That's helpful for people. So it's, I guess to sum that part up, it's affinity online, proximity offline, community from the business perspective, and then community and storytelling. Find your people, find people that are, that are farther along in the journey, older than you, going through something that's different than you, or going through something that's similar to you as well. And they're exploring and experimenting and then going back to your word, curious, stay curious. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's well said. So yeah, it seems like it's a journey. It's a multi-billion dollar industry and there's still so many questions, which is why I'm so fascinated with it. And, you know, I hope that, you know, with this, with this uh, podcast or show that, you know, we can make a few more people become aware and get curious uh, that would be amazing. Um, but so before we finish, I, I want you to, I want to give you the opportunity to share, you know, what tool or product or service, you know, you're finding to be the most interesting and helpful for yourself right now. You know, I think I know what you're probably going to refer to, but nobody else does. So, uh, I'll get, I'll, I'll let you surprise me or, or not, but yeah, what, what, what's, uh, what's the most interesting thing you're working with these days? psychedelics i thought you were going to say that but you (laughs) you know you could you could have said like uh you know sugar-free pepsi i don't know (laughs) well so it's not just psychedelics so this is the thing i think and this is not enough we don't have enough time on this podcast to go into it but psychedelics has been one tool that really unlocked a lot for me and i still use psychedelics today most specifically in a microdosing format which is subperceptual doses of psychedelics meaning it's not a visual hallucinogenic experience. It's more of a shift in state of body, state of mind that allows you to understand yourself more in everyday scenarios, regulate better, um, be a little more mindful and present. And so that really helps me. And I built a, a community around that now. And we're currently in the process of expanding to building an app to allow uh, microdoses from all over the world to come together and share their practices and share their experiences. But I also have to add with psychedelics, that it is a practice. It is a lifestyle type experience. It's not a panacea. Like it's not a pill you pop. It's not something that's going to completely shift your life 
uh, right away and that's it. There's work that goes into it. There's preparation, there's integration. And that's maybe at the end of it, the, the way I like to think about things is it's integrative. How can I take this tool, this thing, and integrate it into my life so that it helps to create more balance, more ease, more regulation, more mindfulness, more presence. And um, one thing that you and I probably could spend four hours on talking about, and this is going off in a different direction, is the power of sauna bathing and cold tubs. I think in terms of like evolution and where we're headed, like uh, sauna baths, bathhouses, like what's going on in Finland, those things are coming here and we're experiencing them in small communities here now, but there's going to be a lot of that opening up longevity centers that focus on the whole body system. I like to call it like holotropic health. So moving towards wholeness is sort of the idea where you're looking at all the different systems in the body and allowing that symbiotic, uh, symbiotic relationship between all those systems to connect. So what are those tools that go past the symptom and into the root? And psychedelics is one of those things. Sauna is a nice bath. Those are one of those things. So those are the, those are the tools and, and things that I'm exploring. Amazing. Yeah. And uh, I'm right there with you on the heat exposure, cold exposure. Uh, it's been, my, my journey has been short so far on that, but it, the results have been amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. even on the rest and digest side, uh, which you talked about earlier, it's, it's, uh, been amazing. I'm looking to explore more, uh, around that for sure. Um, so last thing I'd like to ask is, uh, do you have either a, a book you love and you'd like to share, um, or a productivity hack that you, uh, have discovered that you'd like to share your choice? Oh, uh, book. I have good have too. So Mark Nepo wrote a book called more together than alone. It's a great book on community. It's a great book on social interaction, human interaction and connection. I would say it's like, it could be the blueprint for anyone who's looking to build community or foster like a good foundation of community. And it's, it's not what you think it is. It's not a business book. It's, it's like a real solid, like human condition optimizer type book. Okay. And then um, in terms of a productivity act uh, and we talk about health, one thing that we forget a lot in our society is how important time is to our health. And we don't respect time as a component to health a lot. And so having good time practices where setting your calendar, sticking to it, don't letting people, don't let people into your calendar, be very strict with your boundaries, um, taking time and blocking time for yourself and those types of things, looking at time as a component to your health and wellness is, would be one thing. And, there's some hacks that we could get into, I'm sure, down the line, but even just the idea of thinking time as, as, a, as a strict component, just like supplementation, nutrition, and exercise, to me is very, very valuable for managing that stress, which, which again, how we started is the largest component to most disease. So, No, that's super helpful. Actually, it's, <laughs> it sounds simple, but it's very insightful. Um, so thank you for joining me today it was great to talk to you again our conversations are always good i'm glad we got to you know throw down a recording and share some of these one of these conversations with others um you're very passionate about the space of health and wellness i know you're you're brilliant on the side of customer acquisition customer acquisition and business and it's really nice to talk to somebody that uh has has like a love and passion for for both sides and can and has experienced it as well so you know thanks so much for joining Thank you, Ben. It was fun. Look forward to doing this again.